I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's a football Friday. Which Bucks team is going to show up on Sunday? Are the Gators due for an upset after a tumultuous week? Can Florida State get a win? And USF hits the road. All that and more as we get you ready for a big weekend of football. Welcome to the Rick and Tom podcast. Tom Jones, Rick Straub, Tampa Bay Times. Thanks for listening. Happy weekend, everyone. And Rick, I'm so excited about the weekend, especially Saturday. I'm figuring this is the first Saturday that I haven't either covered a game or spent all day boarding up my house with plywood waiting for a hurricane to come. Uh, Is there anything better? Seriously, is there anything better than getting up Saturday morning, turning on game day, and then sitting on your couch the rest of the day watching college football? Uh, can think of one or two things, but no, I, I, I do like, uh, I do like doing exactly that. And how come you're not covering a game this weekend? Uh, no college football in your neighborhood. Well, what? there's, well, there is actually a college football game in the neighborhood. We'll get to that in just a little bit. And re- you know, really it's an intriguing weekend for football in the state of Florida. It's not really a great weekend for college games, but no. we'll get in, we'll get into that in just a little bit. Some interesting storylines though. in in Gainesville, Tallahassee, and uh, Tampa, and so forth. But let's get right to it, Rick. Bucks and the Giants, Raymond James on Sunday. Which Bucks team's going to show up, Rick? Is it the one that clobbered the Bears in the first game or the one that got clobbered by the Vikings in the second game? Wow. Um, if they knew that, right? Uh, I think it's going to be a combination <laughs> of the two, really. This does not look like a good matchup uh, for a lot of reasons for the Bucks, And obviously, they got to play better than they did against, you know, last week against the Vikings. But if you just look at the New York Giants personnel, and I always I'm one to believe that you know players win games as much as anything, and they got some really good players. Now you know they they've obviously struggled protecting Eli Manning, but after three weeks, they're starting to figure it out. They're starting to play a little different, up tempo. They're starting to uh, protect their offensive line by you know Eli getting the ball out of his hands. Um, you know they they had some success throwing it last week. And especially to Odell Beckham, and and you know they have three really good receivers with Shepard and Marshall as well. So if you look at that, but then you turn it, you flip it over, and you go, well, what's wrong with their defense? And last week, you know Philadelphia was just committed to the run. They ran the ball really mm-hmm. well. There was a, I think, uh, I want to say the Giants were missing one of their linebackers, but you know when you have to throw it against the Giants, when they know you have to throw it, you're playing right into their hands because they got the perfect combination of. Really good edge rushers, uh, a, de- a really good defensive line, and an outstanding secondary. Um, so I, I really believe that this is a this is a tough game, a, a you know kind of a bad matchup. And you know the Bucks are going to be playing. I mean, think about this: Quan Alexander and Levante David have made, you know, finished one two in tackles the last two years, and before that, Levante averaged 140 a year. Neither one of those guys are playing. Mm-hmm. So you're talking, I know they love, you know, Kendall Beckwith, and that's great. But he's not been in this role before. He's not had the helmet communicator for a full game. He's not had to sit there and, and watch, you know, Eli Manning watch him communicate and try to get lined up. So I could see that this could be a very difficult game for the Bucks to win, even though they're at home and even though the Giants are 0-3. 
I think the big matchup you just mentioned, Rick, it's going to be the Giants offense against the uh, against the Bucks defense. And we'll talk more about just how much missing those guys is going to mean. But I look at the other side of this, Rick, and I'm looking at this Giants team, and you mentioned their defense is a little bit shaky at times. I think they're last in the league against the run. Here's the problem. Bucks can't run the football. And if they can't run the football on Sunday, I don't think they have a chance. You have to be able to run a little bit against the Giants in order to have some success offensively. I would agree because the last thing you want to do is get behind the sticks. This is one of those don't get behind the sticks games, right? You can throw on first down, and that might be a good thing because you still have the run option. You can't fall behind in the game like they did in Minnesota because that's a recipe. You know, in the NFL, if you get down two touchdowns, it's really difficult to dig out of that hole. And and you're going to have to, you know, be able to, you know, to be third and, you know, three or third and fourth right. of most. Otherwise, you're going to face an onslaught. Uh, and some lockdown coverage as well. So um, I would agree. You know, the one thing they have not done is run the football. Now, last week, you know, and when you talk to Dirk Cutter, he says, well, you know, I think we came out and ran it six out of the first, you know, ten plays or nine plays, and then they got behind, and they, they you know, sort of had to abandon that. Um, when you're down 21-3, to three, it should have been, you know, should have been a 14-10 to 10 game. Jameis underthrows Deshaun Jackson, and, and then they go down and score. So, uh, you know, games kind of take on – their own feeling you you can have a great plan you know and say well we're committed to the run i mean it's sort of what philadelphia did with doug peterson last week against the giants they just decided i'm we're going to run the football today and no one's going to stop us but you also can't bang your head on the wall i mean if you're getting right. one yard two yards of carry you're you know you're, you're giving the defense way too much too many snaps on the field they get tired and now you're not playing complimentary football so um both teams will try to you know try to you know have their will against the other I, I just I, I don't know that this is a good running football team they didn't run the ball well in the preseason until Doug Martin gets back that's certainly a factor I don't want to put it all on Jacquez Rogers and Charles Sims you know we don't know where Peyton Barber was last week they just simply gave up on the run um, but you're right you're going to have to put more balance in this offense and and Jameis has to be more accurate and make better decisions and make better decisions. And he talked about that at length, Rick, on Thursday. You were over at One Buck Place. And I got to be honest with you. Uh, and it's great that he says this. And, and you can tell us maybe what's different about it this time. It seems like every time I turn around, you're writing something, talking about Jameis, saying he has to protect the football. He says this like three times a year, I hear this story. And it's it's it, nothing changes. He keeps turning the football over. So, Rick, what's different about it this time than all the other times he said, I got to protect the football? I'm not sure there is anything different except that I, I think that, uh, you know, there's sort of a realization that um, they may take it out of his hands. In fact, he referenced a conversation he had with his dad who said just that. He said, you know, I was talking to my pops and he told me, you know, you know, Jameis, <laughs> if you don't if you keep throwing the interceptions and turning the ball over, they're going to run it 30 times. And Jameis has lived that, and it actually worked. And and somehow, uh, when they went to Carolina last year, if you remember, Jacquez Rogers got ten consecutive carries to start the game, ended up with thirty for like hundred and two yards, which isn't a great average, but it, it definitely kept the ball from being turned over by their quarterback. And you know, even though you know they they were able to, you know, they missed the field goal with Roberto Aguayo and made one, you know, at the buzzer. Um, it was still a game that, you know, they, they put the handcuffs on Jamison. And, and I think he realizes after Sunday, 
maybe I'm not quite as far as a passer as I thought I was. I mean, on the one hand, there was a point in the game where he had completed like 70%. Um, but on the other hand, you know, that everything is nullified by the turnovers. And this is a guy, again, who, especially on the road now, at home, he's been much, much better. But on the road, 25 turnovers in 17 road games. That's, that's a, a very large number. And, you know, he does know it, and he does say it all the time. And, frankly, I think Dirk Cutter's getting tired of hearing it too. So he'll get another chance, you know, to be better. Um, you know, they, they know the Giants have good personnel, but they really like their personnel on offense as well. I mean, we, we see the potential and, and, and the receivers and the targets that Jameis has, and the protection's been okay, but you just can't, you just can't make compound things because it, it's a team game. It's not about the quarterback winning the game on every series. It's one of those things. It's all interconnected, Rick. You can't run a football. Then you put yourself in situations where you're like third and seven. Then you sure. got to force plays and you got to make, try to make, try to keep score points to keep up with the other team. And I realized, like I said, it's all interconnected. The the turnovers that, that drive me crazy with Jameis, if I'm a Bucks fan, are the ones where you get a nice drive going. And we saw an example of that, for example, is go back. The easiest one to remember is the preseason. I think it was the Jacksonville game where they put together a terrific drive. And Dirk even said it on Hard Knocks. You heard the whole conversation. They're moving the ball. He's making good decisions. They get down near the end zone. They're in field goal range. And then he makes this this absolute crazy throw. Those are the ones that drive you crazy. The ones that, that are less bothersome are a couple of the ones he I thought he threw last week against Minnesota, particularly the one at the end, where you're way behind. And sure. You're trying to make a play. You're down two or three scores, and you need to get points on the board, so you have to try to force something. The thing is with this Bucks offense, they need to start scoring some more points and have a little more consistency early in the game so they're not in a position where they're down 14-3 to three, or you get the ball and it's mid-second quarter and you start looking up and you're thinking, man, we need to score on this drive. We need to get some sort of points, and if we don't, we're in trouble. And that's, like I said, it's all interconnected. But you know, I, th- I just think it's the case if, if as long as they're in games and leading games are tied, then I think Jameis feels less pressure to, to make a play. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, you know, I think all quarterbacks, and I thought they got in a little bit of a panic mode. I, I talked to Todd Munkin about that. During that game, I know you guys got down early, and, and if obviously if Deshaun beats the guy in the post, if the ball's there, it's 14-10, and maybe it's a different game at that point. But did it feel like, from your standpoint, that your team got a little frenetic once they fell behind? I mean, there's so, the NFL game is so long. I mean, I, I don't know. Frenetic may be a little strong, but do I think that um, that you're surprised. I think, you know, you're never really ready to, you know, when you think you've got a good team and you've got good coaches, you're never really ready to look up and say, wow, you know, okay, this is what the score is, you know, but I didn't feel that. Yeah, there were certain things that I think our players got frustrated with. Um, the things I liked about that, I thought the things that our players got frustrated about, which I liked the most, was it was about winning. And that's what I like, especially the guys I have to deal with. I thought it was about winning and not about something else that they don't control. I think it's about wanting to be a part of a championship-caliber team. And not only the respect as a player, which is first and foremost for those guys, but is being a part of something special that's bigger than themselves. And and that's what I thought our frustration came from individually. Now, from our end of it, I didn't feel that from our coaches or our players. We just needed to do it better, and, and we weren't. But, you know, that game got out of hand pretty quickly. Um, but even at 21-3, to three, there's a lot of football left. 
Uh, and it just seemed like they got kind of in a hurry and, and you know, abandoned the run, and, and that was it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I look, it, it's – it's it's a critical game, and when I when I say that, they're all they all count, right? But you know, you do you went through this last year where you where you won the first game, you played horrible in the second game. There was a lot of interceptions then too. One was a hell mary, uh, and you ended up digging a one in three hole. Well, here comes the New England Patriots in just four days after they play mm-hmm. on Sunday, and that's even on on any day in any stadium. That's that's a big effort trying to beat those guys, right? Sure. So. Even though you have them at home and they they're traveling on a short week, you know it's it's I mean the odds are really against them, from from that standpoint, but I I just feel like you know they need to be a little more of a of a, of a stable team, you know, and 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 know sort of week to week the kind of the kind of play they're going to get on both sides of the ball, and I know injuries factor into that, and I think the biggest the biggest thing that happened last week was losing Brent Grimes. Well, Brent Grimes is back this week, and he's going to play. But they're without the two biggest, you know, uh, ball, uh, see ball, hit ball guys and their two starting linebackers. And that, you know, even though they're deep at linebacker and they love that rookie, that's going to be a factor. So, but every team has injuries and nobody cares. You just can't ride the roller coaster, though. You can't, and you can't dig holes. You you know, and, and of course, here we're talking about the New York Giants who have dug maybe the biggest hole they've had in a while. I mean, if they go to 0 4. You know what the New York market is like. I sure. mean, Eli Manning should retire. The coach <laughs> should be fired, and all those things are gonna are gonna come to four. But they feel like they're not out of it. They can get a win here. They slowly start to chip back to five hundred, and so it. You know, in the NFL, very often if the you know the teams are are close in personnel, and I think these are, the more desperate team wins, and we're gonna see how desperate that the Bucks feel they are when they go out there on Sunday, and and you know. It, it just it could just be you know a blip on the on the schedule you know on the roster when, or at the end of the year when we look back we'll say wow that was kind of a weird deal out in Minnesota or it could be something that snowballs on them and they find themselves back in a hole and we're looking at potentially another lost season here too early I can't agree with you enough on how important this game is and I'm I think the NFL is such a goofy league that I'm not ready to to circle that New England game and say, okay, they're definitely going to lose that game because right. New England's not New England, I don't think yet. Sure. They they haven't looked like the the Patriots we've come, grown accustomed to seeing. Oh yeah, they're not going. So, they're not going seventeen and zero. They've already lost a game. Right, and I'm looking at that. I'm not necessarily looking at that game saying, oh, that's automatically a loss. So the Bucks need to win this week to avoid one and three. But I will say this about this game, the Giants game. If you're a Bucks fan and you're looking at the schedule and you're trying to find ten or eleven victories, which is where this team thinks it should be, and a yeah. team that can compete for uh, an, an NFC South division title, this is a game you got to win. This is a, a wounded team. They're not a good football team. They're zero and three. They're coming to your place. You have to win that game unless. You're just going to go back to being that eight and eight roller coaster team that you've been pretty much for the last you know, several seasons. Certainly, the team you were last year. Look, that last year you could point to go back to the St. Louis game. There's an example. That's a game they should have won last year, or LA, yes, or LA yes, Rams. Yes. And they win that game, and all of a sudden the rest of the schedule opens up for them, and they make, they're ten and six. They make the playoffs. Yep. I just look at this giant with you 100. percent This Giants game is a critical game because it's a winnable game now. And then you worry about new England after that, but it's, it's, it's just a game that you can't afford to give away. And I'm also looking at you too, Rick at, at the defense. I, this, this really will come down to if the defense can stop Eli Manning and Odell Beckham and certainly having Brent Grimes will help, but I I don't know. I, I go, I've gone back and forth all week on who I think is going to win this game. 
I my gut tells me the Bucks are going to find a way, but I'm not 100% sold on that. Yeah, I I I mean again, it's it's going to be a matchup game, right? I mean, if Janoris Jenkins covers Mike Evans, who wins? You know, um, you've got right. a, a monster uh, in Landon Collins, who was a Defensive Player of the Year. Eli Apple's a first-round draft pick. Darian Thompson, you know, is a pretty good free safety. They got Olivier Vernon coming off one end. Jason Pierre-Paul off the other. This is a tough, tough matchup, and your best players are going to have to be great. And it starts with the quarterback. I mean, it's funny we talked to Jameis about what a franchise quarterback is. We're going to see a couple of them come here back to back. And Eli, who has the hardware, maybe he hasn't played that way of late. And and then certainly Brady. Um, but it's got to be that guy that you you feel the word trust is used a lot. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you trust the whole franchise really. Because every time he touches the ball, which is every play, you know, every coach, every coach's family, everybody's livelihood is really riding on his decision. And if you think that's overstating stating it, You're not, then I'd like for you to talk to all the assistants that get fired when the head coach does and have to move their families because that's what you're talking about. Well, do the Bucks trust Jay, uh, do they really trust Jameis Winston right now? Or are they starting to think, hmm, seen this before? Right. You know, and it's two games into the season, right? Sure. Yeah, it's over. We overreacted to the first game. We're probably overreacting to the second but, game. But this will kind of, in a way, this is sort of a referendum game on, okay, it's year three. What are you going to be, Jameis? Right. I absolutely agree with you. And that's the thing. This weekend, we'll look. Whichever quarterback throws the ball to the other team more, that's the team that's going to be in trouble. Eli will do that for you now. He Eli's will. A, he's a, do I think he's a franchise quarterback? Yeah, three years ago I thought he was. I don't think he is necessarily anymore. Because I think you can morph in and out of being a franchise quarterback. I think you can based on what's around you. And what's around right. him right now is absolute crap on the offensive line. Eric right. Flowers, their left tackle, is god-awful. You know, I mean, they've got issues to protect him. They cannot run the ball. So they're they're obviously playing, you know, with uh, one hand behind their back as well, or at least Eli is. So neither team is perfect. Uh, but whoever, you know, as it always is, whoever plays the best on that Sunday is going to win the game. I, like I said, I picked the Bucks for the paper. I think they're going to. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. To find a way, I don't know how. I think Eli. I'm just not blown away by the Giants. I think Eli will throw a pick or two, and I think that'll mm-hmm. be the difference. But and again, I picked comes, the Giants. You did. You picked the Giants. Yeah, in the in the, in the just because uh, of the injuries, or, or or I just think that I just think that that they're putting an awful lot on that on that rookie linebacker. Because remember, what was the problem? Mike Smith said they had in the first half of last season. What was the biggest the biggest buzzword? Communication right, or lack right. thereof. Now, a lot of the guys know the scheme now, and that certainly helps you. But if you can't get set against Eli Manning, you're not going to get it back. In other words, one breakdown, he will make you pay, and it will be seven. And so I'm interested to see this chess match because, you know, the kid has a lot on his plate, and he's played great, but he hasn't had to do this at that tempo 
you know, against that quarterback and those receivers. So we'll see how, how it turns out. Is this a, if the Bucks, if this game gets up into the high twenties, is that better for the Bucks or worse no. for the Bucks? Do you think? No, they the need, Bucks. They need if, to be- if they allow twenty-four points or more, they're pretty much flatlining. I mean, if you go back and look over the last three years, when it, when the opponent has scored twenty-four or more, they lose. Right. On the other hand, if they score twenty-four or more, they win. So you know, I think defensively, though, that's the key. You know, you you can't you can't let the Giants, who have struggled to score, I mean, they had a nice fourth quarter last week. But at the end of the day, I mean, I looked up at halftime, they had scored seven. And, you know, so you have to keep you have to keep their offense down. And, you know, you're going to have to score probably at least 24 points or more to walk out of there with a win. And that's what I, I thought we were getting with this offense, Rick. Deshaun Jackson, sure. Howard. I thought I thought they were getting an offense. That well, 29 up. points the first the first yeah. week. But that was based that's largely true. on four turnovers. Right, right. <sighs> I'll tell you, this is a scary game. I can't wait to see it. Seriously, I can't wait to see it because I have no idea what we have here with this Bucks team. None. Yeah, I think you're right. Sombrero. <laughs> man. We'll definitely, uh, we'll definitely recap it on Monday. We'll do our podcast Sunday night. How about we'll do our podcast Sunday night from the game? We'll have a pretty good reaction. Do it live. Uh, do it yeah, live. Yeah, we'll do it live. Yeah. Other games in the NFL. Boy, not a not a great weekend for college or for uh well for college or pro football. The other two NFC soft teams in action. New Orleans is against Miami and London. I think I, I'm not even sure the Bucks or the Falcons need to worry about the Saints. I don't think the Saints are that good. I just think Miami wins that game. I don't know why, but I think I'm picking Miami to win that game. Well, you know, Jay Cutler looked like Jay Cutler last week, looked like the, the the guy that throws the ball away a little bit, and I think that would be scary, but they're going to have to run the ball over there. Drew Brees just beat a team very similar to Miami uh, on defense. Uh, I, I picked Miami, but I'm feeling less secure about that all the time because I, I just think that, you know, when you have Brees, they're going to score points. I don't know. I don't know how many points the Miami Dolphins can score right now. Buffalo will play at Atlanta. And, Rick, Atlanta's a team that I'm starting to look at, and let's just assume they stay relatively healthy, nothing happens to Matt Ryan or Julio Jones or any of their, their key players. I This looks like a team to me that's going to win like 13, 14 games. It's possible, but I think it's too early to predict that, and I'll tell you why. And I know football is a game of inches, and sometimes it's just whether you win or you lose. But I also think it's how you play. They're getting by. They've had two games end with the other team having the ball on the goal line, literally, and not right. getting in. Although one of those, Detroit's a really good football team. Detroit's a really, a really good, good football team, and yeah. there's no shame to losing to them, especially in Detroit. So that's a big win. You don't throw those back. I'm just saying that you know they have not they have not rolled over many teams yet. You know, I mean, Chicago Bears two drops near the goal line. Yeah, game's over. Um, didn't really score a lot of points in that game. But you're right. I mean, Atlanta's a scary team. They, they've, you know, they, they are trying to run away in this division, which is another reason why this is such a big game for Tampa Bay because I think Carolina is flawed. Mm-hmm. I think New Orleans has a horrible defense, even though they played better last week and got a win. Um, but I, I, I just think that, um, you know, it, it, I think Atlanta's kind of had some good luck going their way. And Buffalo just had a big win. Um, so they're capable of scoring some points as well, but yeah, Atlanta, sh- at, you know, Atlanta should win this football game and Carolina. I'm not, I'm not, are you, do you, are you buying or selling Carolina at this point? I think there's, problems. I mean, it's two games. I get it. It's two games and yeah. they play at New England. They play at New England. They're going to get, uh, they're probably going to get wiped out there, but, uh, I'm, I'm selling on Carolina. I think 
you know, it, this is something that's sort of evolved maybe the second half of last year even. I mean, they had a, they had a bad year last year. Cam, Cam does not look right. Um, you know, he's coming off the shoulder injury. Offensively, they're just they're in, they're out of sync. They're struggling. They're not sure what they want to be. Um, I, and I think it's because, you know, they're trying to scheme around Cam not getting hit, which is smart. But he's really he's really his, his forte is not doing it from the pocket. Right. And you know, they're not a great offensive line. Uh, they don't. You know, Mike Shula's you know, trying, trying to, to change this offense a little bit. Uh, Calvin Benjamin got hurt last week. It doesn't look like a confident Carolina team. And you got to play with confidence. And I, I just don't think they've found their mojo yet. My favorite game of the weekend is Tennessee at Houston. And the reason I'm, that is my favorite game is because I'm just fascinated by both of these quarterbacks. Marcus Mariota, I think we can all agree. You may not agree that the Bucks made the right choice. You may disagree there's no question Tennessee made the right choice. I, I, with Jameis gone, I think Marcus Mariota, he's better. He's been better than I thought he was going to be, Rick, and not better than you thought. I think you already were pretty high on Marcus Mariota, but he, he's been everything that they thought he was going to be consistent, reliable, yep. and, and a good quarterback. Everything I heard, uh, you know, I went out to his high school, St. Louis High School out in Honolulu and, and talked to those folks about him and, um, you know, I think people underestimated his football IQ just because he played at Oregon in that spread system. Yeah, never never been in a huddle before and all this other yeah, stuff. Yeah, never called a play, never been under center, and I think they underestimated his arm and just how accurate he is. Um, and and uh, he, ha- he can throw a good deep ball. He has touch. He knows when to run. Um, you know, durability is still something over a course of 16 games he hasn't proven he can do. But they they've got a, a you know an, a really good team that is you know they're all, they do it a different way than the Bucks who put way too much on their quarterback really frankly right. they want to throw the ball down the field they want to drive the football and that's what Jameis does you know the Titans have a strong running game in a good offensive line and they they decide when they want to throw it and when they do they're very effective doing it uh, and their defense is pretty good too. I like Houston, um, and I like the way they're playing. I like the way Watson is uh, is is playing. That's, as well. I'm surprised by that. He's been better. I know. Again, it's a game and a half or whatever, but he's been a lot more uh, calm and and collected back there than I thought yeah. he was going to be. Right. That's away. the quarterback I thought. You know, it, it, just based on his on his history, he had a, he still has a lot to learn. But look what he did at Clemson. Um, yeah. He looks like a special player. He looks like Dak Prescott. You know, and then some. So. Uh, and and they, but they have an edge against New England with Bill O'Brien and Vrabel and all those guys. They may not have it against Tennessee. I think mm-hmm. Tennessee goes in and wins this game, but I'm, I'm not sure who I picked for the paper. I'd have to check. But um, this is going to be a really good football game. I think so too. That's why it's my favorite game of the weekend. The rest of the games are there's not there. Pittsburgh and Baltimore playing for first place in the AFC North, but it does. It feels like Baltimore is kind of a sham a little bit at this point. Yep. Detroit's Detroit's at Minnesota, Oakland at Denver. Any of those games? Detroit, those games Minnesota. Uh, well, both those games are are really good games. I mean, Detroit, Minnesota. I mean, Detroit. You know, I think is is right there with the top tier teams with Green Bay, um, and then you have Minnesota, who's loaded with weapons, as we know. Now, Case Keenum might wake up and decide realize he's not playing the Bucks this week. And then go back to being Case Keenum, um, <laughs> you know. I mean, that's that's a real possibility. And Oakland just got dominated. I mean, that was you know 
sort of. That's shocking. one of those games. Like I, you watch that and you're convinced at the end of the day, I know nothing about the National Football League. <laughs> right? <laughs> because, yeah, because it's. I watched that game and I thought, oh, Oakland will kill Washington, and yeah, uh, that and game yet, wasn't yet, close. And, the other and way. Yet De- in Denver, what went into Buffalo and got beat, right? Right, right. So you got two teams there, and no one saw either one of those. So, so they they've got to bounce back. I still like Oakland's offense in the long term, although. It just, again, something seems to be a little out of sync, you know. Mm-hmm. They're not running the ball very consistently. So those, those are interesting games because, you know, you get to week three, and, and for those guys, they're in week, they're, they're in week four. They're playing their right. fourth game. Right. The Bucks are only playing their third. And that's something yeah, else Yeah, I've been thrown remember. off all year. I've been thrown off I know. all year by that. Yeah, it's weird. It's something else to think about because we're looking at, at the Bucks through the prism of every other team. That is still – you know, literally two weeks with practice and the hurricane and then right. not having a game canceled. They're really sort of two weeks ahead of everybody in one game uh, in the standings. Let's switch over to college now, Rick. The Gators are at home against Vandy. It's been a rough week at Florida. The nine players now officially under investigation for credit card theft. So I'm wondering, Rick, how does this go? Is this a case where now that it's all out in the open and everyone's pretty sure now that these nine players are not coming back this season, or at least you wouldn't think so, that the team could just go out sort of like a clean slate type thing, go out there and just play? Or is it such a distraction and there are so many questions about it that they've been sidetracked and it impacts them this week? I, I know it's Vandy and I know it's not a very good football team that they're playing, but how do you sort of see this going now? My gut feeling is it might actually be, okay, now we know what's going down and it's all now the worst is over. We can move on without these guys. Yeah, I kind of think that, uh, you know, that they have each other and that's about it. It's like Dirk Cutter always says, the Calvary's not coming. Well, those guys aren't coming back. Um, at least there's no reason to think that they will. And yet Florida has found a way, whether you like them or don't, and I don't know how they've done it. But and they I found don't. A way. <laughs> not not personally, found a but way, I don't like them as a football. Yeah, to win games dramatically at the end. Uh, I'll tell you the one thing they're doing, though, that's that should give you some confidence, is they're running the football, and they're running it pretty well. Yeah. I mean, they've they've run it now. They're averaging 177 yards um, rushing, you know, in the last two weeks over Tennessee and and Kentucky. Um, Vanderbilt can run the ball too, though, um, and th- they've they've run it pretty well against Florida in the past. I just think that Vandy won't have enough. Uh, yeah, no, to Vandy's take, no to good. take Florida this yeah. week. I, it would be a it would be a collapse now. I mean, are they going with Del Rio? Who's the quarterback? Yeah, Luke Del, Luke Del Rio looks like he's going to be the quarterback. I think he's probably a more reliable and consistent quarterback than Franks. Franks, I think, will make the bigger plays, make the splash yeah. plays more often. But I think Del Rio is going to make the more consistent plays. And look, I, I'm reading Mar- Matt Baker, who works for our paper, reading his stories before the season. And maybe it wasn't fair to judge what Del Rio was doing last year because apparently he was pretty hurt for most of the season. They really had no other options at quarterback. So they threw him out there in games. He probably shouldn't have been out there, but when he was healthy, he wasn't bad. They're going to go with him. And I just, Vandy's, I, I, I would be a little more concerned if I'm in future weeks when they start playing Georgia and even LSU coming down with that run. But it's for now with Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt just doesn't have enough. Uh, Florida state's playing at wake forest. Look, Rick wakes, not bad. They're four and oh, they really haven't played anybody. They beat Boston College. I think they beat Appalachian State last week in a really tight game. But I think this game tells us a lot about Florida State. If they lose this game, then I think we're seriously looking at a losing record and their bowl streak, which is something, what, 35 game, thirty-five seasons or something like that, is out the window. This game will tell us who Florida State is. Not so fast, my friend. <laughs> Florida State still has a very good defense. 
And I think that that defense was wounded last week. And I think that there's no other way to, to, to really quantify what or justify what happened, except that they had not played a game in three weeks. And their tackling was horrific. And, it, and North Carolina State was good enough to take advantage of what seemed to be almost every mistake the defense. Look, the freshman quarterback, if you could get that from him every week right, and play sure. the kind of defense that they're capable of playing, heck, they're going to win most of their games. Um, and I, I just think Jimbo Fisher's too good of a coach not to get him ready. So <laughs> There's I think, talent all over the place with that team. <laughs> I think Florida State wins. My boy from East Lake, shout out, George Campbell, I see you. After all these years, you showed up. <laughs> wide receiver, I'm so proud. His daddy's so proud. Mama's so proud at East Lake High. So um, I got I got Florida State bounce back. 0-3, not happening under Jim. Yeah, I think Florida State wins this game. But if they if they do lose it, then I'm going with my man, Rodney Page, and convinced they will not win another game the rest of the season. <laughs> sure. uh, USF plays at East Carolina. Shouldn't be a problem, I wouldn't think. USF, they're like more than three touchdown favorites in this game. I just want to see them start a game. And just blow somebody out right from the start, Rick. How about how about twenty eight nothing at the end of the first quarter? Just act like you're the number whatever you are, eighteen, fifteen, sixteen team in the country. Not so fast, my friend. This is a trap <laughs> game. It's a trap Would game. You, wow. Now, I I actually think that USF, um, if they if they if they don't win, it would be a a catastrophe. And they may start slow just because I think they'll probably feel like, well, we got this. And when you say you got this, right. is when you usually, especially on the road, you can fall in some trouble. But I don't see, again, show me the team on their regular season schedule where yeah. if they come to play, they just don't have more talent and should not just win the game based on that. And, and like I said, you, you can't – you have to play. Um, and Florida State wasn't ready to play on defense last week, and it cost them. But USF should have no trouble with East Carolina, even though Brent Musburger usually likes. But I like East Carolina. But, but Who's got like that? Let me see the point. Well, let's see the point spread in that game before I make a decision on that. Uh, if you're for Dorm Brent, hey, uh, I'll show you the team after Saturday, and it's UF, uh, UCF. If they beat Memphis, then I'll say, okay, that's a team that might give USF trouble. But they play yeah. Memphis, and I think Memphis wins that game anyway. So. Memphis is uh, looks to be sort of like this year's it team, you know. Um, other than USF, um, you know, I think you know, last year was Houston. Temple's had their run, Navy, right, some kind right. of thing. But it looks like it looked like maybe it's Memphis. Um, so yeah, and UCF, look, enjoy Scott Frost because when he goes to Nebraska next year, that's my question. Uh, over the the chance, the chance of him being there next year at this time, the percentage less less than ten percent. Less than ten percent. Wow. Yes. Here's I think here he's going to be, be Nebraska's coach. Yeah, I. I think Riley's the, in. He's in trouble. Let me ask you this question. This and here I'm about to stir up a hornet's nest here. We'll talk about this in upcoming weeks. If he leaves UCF and UCF called Charlie Strong, would Charlie no. Strong leave USF to go to UCF? Because I'm telling you, he looks up into the is. stands and sees 14 people in the seats. <laughs> he, ain't, he doesn't like it. I'm just telling What's you. What's going on with that program, Tommy? I don't know. I don't know. You know what? I, I there's an excuse you need to for go to, You need to go to the games and show just how important these games are. Well, maybe you well, could lead the charge. No, don't go lead the charge now. Here's the thing, Rick. I'm all excited about being off Saturday and not having anything to do. And we're watching college football all day. And there aren't really that many good games. I think uh, Georgia plays Tennessee. That's probably the best game in the SEC. But the only reason that that might even be a little bit close is because the game's in Knoxville. But I think Georgia's a way better team than Tennessee. So I'm taking Georgia in that game. Yep. 
I agree with that. And uh, I think, you know, that might be one of those where the coach has a chance to get a big win and maybe save his job. But I don't know if it's going to happen. Clemson and Virginia Tech. That's right. The best game of the day. Um, that's the, I, that's I'm going the upset game, here. Man. This is my upset pick. Virginia really? Tech. Wow. Um, well, it's tough in Blacksburg, right? And that's the game that uh, college game day is there. Are they not? I believe. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's going to be that's going to be quite a uh, quite a scene. Um, I think Clemson has too much. I've said this earlier. They could stub their toe somewhere. Maybe it's there, but I I really think for all the world, it, it just seems as if it's going to be Alabama Clemson. Uh, yeah, I know. Trois. You've been calling that almost almost. Uh, for, and for until somebody one. beats one of those teams, I'm going to keep calling it. <laughs> well thanks again for listening everyone please subscribe to the podcast you can follow us on twitter at rick tom podcast at nfl stroud at tom w jones our producer is steve versnick thanks to steve and next time you hear us we will be live from raymond james stadium or we'll be live you'll hear us later on uh, after the uh, bucks giants game so have a great weekend everyone we'll talk to you again on monday Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 